Welcome everybody, good to see you all today. My name is Omar and I serve as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And if you're joining us today for the very first time, thank you so much. It is always good to gather together and worship our amazing God. And so I want to take the time to welcome everyone watching at all of our live campuses, all, spread all throughout Miami, as well as everyone online and everyone at our home gatherings. In fact, family, let's go give it up for them and let's welcome them. Thank you so much for joining us today. And today we are at our second week of a series called Raise Them Up. It's a parenting series. And last week we looked at how to encourage our children. And today we're going to be looking at how to discipline our children. And so it's going to be kind of the opposite, but I think it's going to be a really important step for us as parents, as, as single people who are getting ready to have children in the future, grandparents, mentor, I really believe we're all going to learn from God's Word today. All right, so I'm going to be reading today from uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, and then also from Hebrews chapter 12. So wherever you find yourself, just go ahead and follow along with me. This is God's Word. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of what? Of discipline or the rod of correction drives it far from him. And for the moment, all discipline, all correction seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That is the word of the Lord. You can take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. You know, years back during my sabbatical, uh, I took Ashley to the Mediterranean to go visit my dad. You know, as many of you know, my dad lives in, in, in the Mediterranean, so once in a while we go to visit. So we always have a really good time with my dad. Now, if you know anything about that region, you know that not only is it full of history, but it's also very beautiful. And, and folks, what makes that region so beautiful is the Mediterranean Sea. You know, it has this, this beautiful deep blue color that's just so unique about those waters. So when I was there, um, I thought, you know what, I want to take, I want to treat my wife for, I want to treat my wife. And so I wanted to take her on a sailing trip. So I went online, found a, a, a little charter that was going out with other people. I booked it and uh, we went off in this little journey. And folks, as we were going, we were enjoying the scenery. Things were so great. But I started to notice that our captain was an expert at navigating. Yeah, not only was he an expert at guiding the ship to where we were going, but folks, he was also an expert at correcting the ship at every turn. Now, mind you, that region that we were just sailing through had a lot of rocks, a lot of shallow waters, and on top of all that, there were a lot of outside forces that were really making an impact on that sailboat. Sometimes the wind would come and it would take us off course, and sometimes the current would take us the other way. But here's the thing, every single time that those currents or those winds took us off course, listen, our captain did the hard work of correcting that ship and getting it back on track. And because our captain did the hard work of correcting that ship, listen, we were able to get to the spot that we wanted to go. They all had a barbecue for us. We had a really good, relaxing time. 
the water was freezing, but I got in that water and I enjoyed myself and then I was swimming by myself. It was a really, really special day. But folks, listen, do not miss the point. Because the captain's corrections at those critical moments, even though it was hard, listen, was the key to getting us back on track so that we could get where we were going. Now, family, let me just bring all that over to our time together because what an image of how a parent must not only guide their children, but also correct them in their journey. And, and by that, I mean that just like that captain, right, corrected us at those critical moments, and that was key. Listen, just like that, and here's the big idea for this weekend, correcting and disciplining our children may be hard. It may be difficult, but it is key to ensuring that our children are on the right path that they are supposed to go. Who knows, maybe you're out there right now and you're watching, and the moment that I talk about discipline, you think, man, I don't know, I don't think I discipline my children as well as I wish. I mean, I really have a hard time with this whole area of discipline. So Omar, what do I need to know in order to be able to discipline my children, but in a way that honors Christ? Well, we're going to find out from Proverbs chapter 22, right? So if you have your Bibles at home, at our home gatherings, at our campus, go ahead and turn them to Proverbs chapter 22. You can also open up your app. You can take notes there and follow along through the scriptures. And today I have three thoughts for you on the importance of correction and discipline when it comes to our children. And here's the first thing you need to know. Write this down as point number one. And that is that discipline is a God-given parental responsibility. A responsibility. Now, let's go to the passage for today for one moment. To start off, this is what God's Word says. It says, Folly is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of what? But the rod of what? Of discipline drives it far from him. Now, if you have your Bibles open to Proverbs 22, go ahead and circle the word discipline for just one moment. Because here at Christ Fellowship, we always like to remind you, right, that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew, translate into different languages. Well, this was back in the Hebrew, and so the word here for discipline is the word musar, musar. And the word musar simply means correction. It means when something's veering off course, you correct them to the right path. Just like that sailboat was corrected, that's the idea behind this word musar. Now, before we dive into the details of discipline, I want to talk first about the overall concept of, of, the, of, of this whole topic. Because discipline and correction is not something that is optional for parents. And folks, the reason that I start off with such a basic point is because far too often many parents don't see discipline as something that is necessary, as something that is not optional. You know, in today's day and age, sometimes the word discipline among parenting circles, right, may be almost like a bad word. You know, and people think of discipline as, as depriving a child and hurting a child and all these different images, which really make it almost like a bad word. But the reality is that it's a very important responsibility, listen, that God has entrusted you when it comes to your children. In fact, write this down as A and B. P 
parents discipline during childhood while God disciplines during adulthood. So notice, there is a transfer of responsibility when it comes to the topic of discipline. In fact, through all of Scripture, think about this. Throughout all of Scripture, there's never a place where God disciplines children. Now, that doesn't mean that God's not involved in children's lives. Absolutely, right? We know that he is. But, but it's interesting that God always commands parents to be the one that disciplines their children. And then once they, uh, they, they grow up, they leave childhood, they get teenagers, they become adults. Once they go into adulthood, it's almost like a transfer of discipline. And, the, and our Heavenly Father then continues disciplining us throughout the rest of our lives. And so, folks, here's why discipline is it's one of the most important responsibilities that God has entrusted you as a parent. In fact, write this down as big number two. It's because godly discipline directs a child's future. Now, let's go back to the passage and listen to what it says. It says this. It says, what's the first word here? Folly. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now, if you have your Bibles open, circle the word folly. Because when it comes to the word folly... It's not just simply referring to foolish behavior, but it's actually referring to sinful behavior. In fact, from the moment that a child is born, we know this, right? Listen, they are in their heart, just like the passage states, in their heart, there's already bound, they're already almost pre-engineered with a sinful nature. So you never have to teach a child to obey to obey a parent or obey God, right? You got to teach, I'm sorry, the opposite. You don't got to teach them to disobey. You got to teach them to obey. Why? Because they're already born with a sinful nature. And so this nature is always going to lead them. If you leave them alone, it's always going to lead them away from their parents' commandments, of their parents' leading, and ultimately from God's leading them as well. And so, folks, here is why a lack of discipline does what a lack of discipline does to a kid's sinful nature. Write this down as letter A. A lack of discipline, listen up, fosters, it fosters their sinful nature. Now, let's look at another proverb just a couple verses up in Proverbs 22, verse 6, because it really kind of talks really dives into the the, the dangers of a lack of discipline. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says this. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from him. Now, many of us have heard of this verse before, right? Very, very popular verse. In fact, it is the official verse of many Christian schools. Uh, the, the, the school that I went to when I was growing up, First Baptist School of Hialeah, had that as their official verse. And our school here at Christ Fellowship, Christ Fellowship Academy, that is their official verse, which, by the way, if you didn't know we had a school here, you should know we have a terrific school. I would encourage you, if you're looking for a school, wonderful school to send your kids to. But here's what's interesting. The mistake that many people make, right, when we're reading this verse is that they think that this verse, listen, that they think this verse is a promise. 
See, they think that if they raise their children in the way that they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart from it. And we know that's not true, right? Because you can raise a child in a godly home, and it doesn't guarantee that they will walk the rest of their lives with the Lord. And that's because Proverbs is not a book of promises. It is a book of wisdom. It's a book of principles. But you see, the reality is that this proverb is not a promise. In fact, it is a warning. It's a warning. In fact, if you go to the original Hebrew that this is written, in, the, in translation, something is actually lost in it. And so here's the actual, if you were to transliterate the Hebrew per se, here's what it would say, actually. It's a little different. It, it would say, dedicate a child according to his way, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In other words, if you allow, if you dedicate your child to go his own foolish way, his own sinful way, when he is old, he will not depart from it. In other words, if you allow your child and not to, to just let that sinful nature go rampant and never discipline, just let them go, they're going to form habits in their life that they, when they're old, it's going to be very, very hard for them to shake that off. And so this verse is actually a warning against a lack of discipline. Now, there are many parents who sometimes don't discipline as much as they should or when they should. And there's different reasons for that. You know, one reason could be that a parent wants to be their child's best friend. And folks, I understand that that sounds like a very noble thought. I want to be my child's best friend. I want to have that really close relationship. But let me remind you, parents, that God has not called you to be your child's best friend. What he's called you to is to be a godly father and a godly mother. Listen, they're going to have hundreds of hundreds of friends in their life. They might have many best friends their, for their life, but you know what they need? They need a father. They need a mom. You know, what happens when, when parents get into this mentality is that they give their child, because they want to be their best friend, they give their child everything. Hey, you want a new iPhone? Here you go. Hey, you, 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 the, this, this new thing came out? Here you go. You want a new computer? Here you go. You want to go to this? And here you go. Like, just continue just to pour, 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 pour. And then when they do something that they're not supposed to because they want to maintain a good relationship with a child, be their best friends, they don't come to a point, they don't correct them and discipline them in the way that a father and mother should. And so just a reminder, listen, we're called to be godly parents, not godly best friends to our children. There's a place for that, but don't let that get in the way. And here's a second reason why some parents may not discipline their children. And that is for the fear of not being liked by their child. You know, there is sometimes an ungodly fear in parents that if they discipline their children, that they're not going to love them, that they're not going to have the same affections for them. And that's a real fear for some parents, especially, and I've seen this oftentimes, especially when, when parents are divorced. Here's why. It's because the parent who has the most custody of the child, or it doesn't have to be most, just in, in general, 
what happens is they're afraid of correcting and disciplining their children, that, that child, because then they're afraid that their other, the other parent who maybe not be disciplining them, that they will love the other parent more than they love them. And so somewhere along the line, we, we, we fear of our children not liking us. But you know what I've realized? Is that when children are not disciplined, the opposite of the effect that you want takes place, they actually start losing respect for their parents. Because a child, there's something in them that they need authority. And intrinsically, their parent, that mom, that dad, whoever it is, is that person that they're supposed to submit to authority. So when that person doesn't do what intrinsically should be happening, what happens is that that child loses respect for that parent. In fact, if you see a child that ends up in the long run losing, you know, not honoring, losing respect for their parents, oftentimes it's because the parents at those critical moments didn't correct and discipline their children in the way that they were supposed to. But here's what happens. When a parent does the good job of disciplining, write this down as letter B, the godly parenting directs them to Christ, to Christ. You know, the opposite of that verse is true also, right? Because if, if, if you let a child go in their sinful ways and they develop those patterns, the other side of the coin is true as well, right? If you start leading your children towards Christ, they're going to develop certain, certain uh, uh, characteristics, a certain character that when they're old, they might struggle at times, but some of those things are going to be embedded in their heart. And so the natural question, right, that you're probably having, because wait, we know, hey, Omar, we get it. We've got to discipline our children. We've got to correct them. We get it. But Omar, you haven't answered the question is how do you do it? Well, I got, I, I got the answer for you. Write this down as big number three. Godly discipline, okay, has a strategy. Has a strategy. And this strategy, it's not something that pastors here or leaders have developed, but rather the strategy that I'm going to show you today is actually modeled to us by God himself. You see, when, when, when a person who's not a child of God, who's not a believer in Christ, when they come to a point where they recognize their sin, they put their trust in Christ, they start a relationship with the Lord, the Bible says that at that moment, God adopts them as sons and daughters, and they begin a father-daughter relationship. Not everyone's a child of God. Everyone's a creation of God, but not everyone, not everyone is a child of God. Only those who've called on Christ as Savior. And so the moment that you become a child of God, Right now, you have a, have a heavenly father who will lead you, guide you, but also discipline you and correct you at those critical moments. And so as parents, you know, just like we feel the, the correction and the discipline of our heavenly father, listen, it's almost also in a way to model it for us so that we can follow the same example with our children. And so here's the first step in that strategy. Write this down as letter A. Love is the motivator of discipline. Love has to be the motivator of it. Now, let's leave the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, and let's go now to the book of Hebrews, because in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, there's a portion where it describes how God disciplines us, and so we can learn from that to discipline our children. And so listen to what it says. It says, and have you forgotten the exhortations that addresses you as sons? 
My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, when reproved by him. For the Lord, what? Disciplines the one he, what? A little louder, come on. The one he loves. Now, folks, this is really, this is why this is big. Because oftentimes what happens with our, with our children is that when they do something to make us upset, here's what happens. And you're, man, you're, man, you are just boiling. You're so angry of what they did, that child, that teenager. It is easy at those moments to react in anger, right? The moment they do that one thing that you make you so upset that you've told them not to do, the, 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 the instinct is to take that step in anger and address it. But here's what I want you to just to, to process for a moment. Our Heavenly Father never disciplines us in anger. You see, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, all of God's anger and wrath towards sin was poured down upon his son. So when Christ was dying on the cross, he, in a sense, absorbed all the wrath and all the anger of God towards sin so that now for his children, he never disciplines us in anger, but instead he always disciplines us in love. And so, family, I want to just encourage you that let love be the motivator of your discipline. In fact, I have a little principle here for you just to consider. Think about this. If your children can forget that you love them, either during or immediately following discipline, you might be doing it wrong. Right? If, 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 if they cannot sense any of your love during a discipline, maybe your motivation is anger instead of love. You know, when I remember when I was growing up, and my mom or grandma, whoever, they corrected me, they disciplined me. I remember that they always told me this thing. They, they always used to say this. This is going to hurt me more. Oh, yeah. Then it's going to hurt you. You, all know, you have all heard it. And I remember as a little boy, I was like, yeah, right. No, it's not. It's going to hurt me, right? It's going to really hurt me. And, and, so, and so, you know, I got corrected and disciplined and whatnot. But you know what? Even in the midst of all that, I still felt my mom's, my grandparents, my dad's love through all that. I didn't like it. But I still felt their love in the midst of all that. And so I want to I challenge you, when you start off, make sure that the motivation of it is love. So some practical stuff here, right? If the moment they do that one thing, if you see yourself reacting in anger, I would encourage you to stop for a moment, cool down, and when you feel you're composed, then you take that step and you begin to correct when you can do it out of love rather than anger. Because it really influences the rest of the discipline if you start off with anger. So write this, and, and here's the second step. Write this down as letter B. Correction is the method of discipline. You know, there has to be a moment, right, when that child, that teenager, they do that one thing they're not supposed to do. There's a moment that correction takes place. And so you may be wondering, well, what is that method that we should correct our children? Well, for that, I have a little table over here that is called the, you know, the hall of discipline, you know, like the hall of fame for sports. This is like the hall of discipline. 
And when they're little kids, many parents employ the timeout little chair. You guys all seen this, right? And uh, the, the principle here is for every, for every year that they're old, you, it's a minute. So I remember this past weekend, last weekend, my little nephew, we were at my parents' house, and my little nephew was misbehaving, and his parents put him in this timeout chair. Yeah, and for those three minutes, he didn't like it. But you know what? That is what they use, right? That's a timeout chair. Then you have other methods, right? When they get a little older, back in the old school days, you don't see this now in schools, right? But you see this right here. There's a spanking paddle. You'll have that in a print. I think growing up, I remember my principal having this in her office. It has holes for, you know, for, for quick. Then you have other things. You have, um, you have the switch, the famous switch. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was talking to my, to my good friend Bobby Bear from the, uh, he's a student director at, at our Redland and Homestead campus. And he was sharing with me that in Jamaica, in Jamaica, they would use a switch from the cherry tree. Yeah. And so he remembers his parents saying, go get a switch from the cherry tree and make sure it's a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you're Jamaican out there, you may, be, you may, you may uh, know what the switch from the cherry tree is. But, hey, there's a switch. Then some Hispanic folks, they might know this right here. Oh, yeah, la chancleta, the good old sandal, right? And this, this is employed by many moms throughout the years on Hispanic children. Then you got almost like the, uh, the one that transcends all cultures, right? It doesn't matter where you were born, in Russia, in China, in India, in Africa, in South America. Listen, when you see a parent take this out, they know what's up, right? It's the good old trusty belt. And so that's what some parents employ. But later on, when they get a little older, they, they respond to what? To, to a grounding, to revoking the privilege of that child. You can take a Xbox away. You can take their iPad away. You can say, hey, you're not, you're not going out for a month. You're not using your car. And, uh, and so these are just different methods of discipline. So, so, so which is the one that we're supposed to use, Omar? Well, here's the thing. Scripture is not clear. All Scripture says, notice, is that for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than what? Than pleasant. <laughs> so, so listen, it's not clear what you're supposed to use. But the key is it cannot be pleasant for them. Right? That's the whole idea. They, they did something wrong. They know they shouldn't have done. They rebelled. They, they disobeyed you. And now they need to understand that their action is not right. And the way you do it is through something unpleasant. So here's what I would suggest to you. I would just say, I'm not going to tell you which one to use, obviously, but here's what I would just say. I've noticed that throughout different stages of a child's life, they respond to different things, right? When they're a little young, man, that timeout chair, they don't like it. When they get a little older, some light physical reprimand, light keyword, light, right, is what some parents employ, is what some children in elementary, they kind of respond to. But then later on, there's a moment where the kids stop responding to that light physical reprimand. I remember when I, was, uh, when I was transitioning between, you know, a child to more of a teenager, there was a moment that I remember my, my mom was um, reprimanding me. And I said, I would say, hit me. Hit me harder. Hit me harder. Because well, I didn't care anymore, right? Because I was already old. But you know what I didn't want? But don't take away my PlayStation, please. Do not take it. Please let me watch TV when I get home. Please let me go out on Friday nights, right? 
And so what I'm, what I'm trying to help you understand is that throughout, you've got to employ whatever you see fit, whatever you think is best throughout the life of a child as they change. And, but, but, but make sure that it's something that really, that really helps them understand what I did was wrong. You know, sometimes people say, hey, go to your room, and they go to the room, and you know why they love being in the room. It's not really anything. So I think you've got to be sure that, that you do something that your kids understand is unpleasant, and I need to correct my, my, the way I, what I did. And here's a third step, right? Write this down as letter C. Righteousness is the goal of discipline. Now let's go back to the passage. Let's do what it says. It says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields a peaceful fruit of what? Of what? Of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, family, the reason that I make this point that righteousness has to be the goal of discipline is because the big mistake that many parents make when disciplining their children is that their goal is not righteousness, but their goal is to change the behavior of their child. And so, and so sometimes, you know, when, when they're misbehaving, you correct them, but it's with the intention that they don't do that one thing once again, whether misbehaving at school, something with a brother or sister, whatever the case may be. But if you think about the way the goal of God's discipline to us, it is never to change our behavior. The reason our Heavenly Father disciplines us is that we become, grow in our righteousness, that we would grow in our character, that we would grow in holiness. And so, family, what I would just suggest to you is that as you are implementing discipline and correction in your children, whatever stage, make sure that they understand what the goal here is. Because it's easy, for example, let's just put a scenario, right? you got two brothers. One of them is hitting the other one and doesn't stop. It's easy for you just to correct that one brother and say, don't hit your brother. Stop hitting him. But what's, what's the goal of that? The goal is to stop the behavior. But instead, I want to just submit this to you, and I know it could be challenging at times, but I want you to just to process this and think about the difference. Instead of just saying, hey, do not hit your brother, Perhaps say, hey, listen, God has given you a brother. And God wants you to love your brother. God wants you to honor your brother. God wants you to support your brother. He is a blessing from God. Listen, when you do that, it's not pleasing to God. So I am going to correct you right now so that you understand that your brother is not someone you should hit and fight with, but you should need to be in good terms with him because he is given to you by God. He is a blessing by God. You see, just notice the language. Instead of just don't do that anymore, use that critical moment to shape their characters, to help them understand better God's plan for their life, to really help them understand why they're being corrected rather than just simply changing that behavior. Now, family, let me just end with this for a moment. Because some of you out there may be right now a, a young parent. Listen, I'm a young parent right now. Uh, perhaps I'm a, you're a single, single dad, single mom. Perhaps you have a teenager who's in the teenage years and they're unruly. And may perhaps you're a grandparent that you've gotten custody of a child, of your grandchild, so you are in the process of raising that child. 
And so here's what I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that as you go through this process, right, as you do what God's entrusted you to do, listen, be sure to do it, right? It's what, it's what God has entrusted to you as, as a parent. But I also want you to rest in God. Because ultimately, what discipline does is ultimately just direct them back to Christ, right? Godly discipline directs them back to Christ, but we know that discipline in ourselves, our own power, cannot change the heart of our child. It, we cannot lead them to a point that they put their trust in Christ. We can't force them around, on them. So I, here's what I want to encourage you. As you do the hard work of discipline, make sure you're resting in the Lord. And pray to the Lord that the Lord would work in your child's heart, in your teenager's heart, that God would help them understand of their sin, the fact that they need a Savior, that they will come to a point that the Lord would lead them to put their trust in Him and love Him and walk all their days. And so family, listen, correction is an important part of, of parenting. But let's, do, let's be parents that as we do what God's entrusted us to do, and that we are faithful to rest in the good Lord. And say, Lord, here is my child. Work in their heart. Do what only you can do. So that there will be children who love you and who follow you all of the day. All right, parents? Let's rest in the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father God, we, we know, Lord, that the work of discipline is not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. It's painful for us as parents. But, Father, Lord, we come before you. And we ask you, Lord, we, I pray right now for our parents that they would have the, the courage to do what you've asked them to do. But, Father, I pray also that we would rest in you. But we want to lift all of our children right now to you. And, Father, we would pray that you, at one point in their hearts, you would intervene, you would change those hearts, and that they would grow to love you and follow you all the days. Lord, we will do what we have to do, what we can do. But, Father, we rest in you, O oh Lord, to do what only you can do. So, Father, thank you, Lord, so much for all you do for us and lead us as we raise the children you've entrusted to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's will say, amen. All right, church family, well, thank you so much for being with us. I'm going to call all the campus pastors come to the front and have a great, great week. Love you all.